Public health experts say that COVID-19 is extremely dangerous unless you are protesting systemic racism. Major cities across America prepare to defund police after nationwide rioting and institutions from sports to the media cast out the unwoke. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. My savvy fans secure their internet. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, I told you not to burn down the country over the weekend, and you didn't burn down the country so much as destroyed all of its fundamental institutions. So it's really interesting to watch as all of America's fundamental institutions come under severe assault, everything from our government institutions to the media to sports. I spent the weekend trying to think, how can you escape from all of this? And the answer is you really can't, because the truth is, if you turn on a football game these days, you're likely to get a lecture from Colin Kaepernick on why the American flag is bad. And if you turn on a basketball game, you're likely to hear... Some commentators talking about how LeBron James schooled Drew Brees. And if you try to turn on Amazon Prime and just watch a movie, you're going to get a Black Lives Matter banner and a bunch of movies they recommend about this particular topic. And listen, everybody is entitled to their opinion. But let's just be frank about what is going on right now. What is going on right now is a nationwide push by all of your major institutions to suggest that America is systemically racist and that you as a white person bear some guilt for that. And if you're a person of color, you don't. But it depends. I mean, do you agree with the American Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, that these are good ideas. If you do, then you are part of the problem as well. Everybody ought to kneel together. We all ought to kneel together in order to recognize that America is systemically racist. And this is expected from people right and left and center. It is expected from everyone. This is the message that is being promulgated. We're going to get to the message and we're going to get to the evils of that message because I cannot think of a less unifying message than America is systemically racist and evil. And one group of people is deliberately responsible for that. And even if you aren't responsible for anything bad, you are responsible for that bad thing. It's amazing how fast we turn from police brutality is bad, a proposition that 100% of Americans agree with, to America is systemically racist and evil, and also get rid of the police. And you have to think that there is a certain math to this on the part of the left, because the truth is that when you get down to the brass tacks of what kind of policies will be likely to mitigate police brutality, there's fairly broad agreement. Things like curbing police unions, for example, and, and qualifying qualified immunity, right? Scaling back qualified immunity. You go back to sort of the common law standard as opposed to the Supreme Court standard implemented in 1982. There's fairly broad approval for a lot of these measures. But as per our usual political conversation, everyone shies away, it seems, from the discussion of the actual measures to be undertaken in order to mitigate the problem in order to create conflict around a bigger idea. People want to talk about the quote-unquote bigger idea. They don't want to talk about solving the problem, which suggests they're really not interested in solving the problem. They're really interested in the broader idea, which is remaking America on the back of a simple assumption. All inequality is inequity. All inequality is the result of systemic racism. Systemic racism can never be cured. Inequality can never be cured. And thus, the utopia must be consistently sought. And that is the message of today's politics. It's a religious message, as I mentioned last week. The message of today's politics is that you will never be able to reach utopia because inequality will always exist and we will always attribute inequality to the evils of the system. We're going to get to what happened over the weekend because it truly is astonishing in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that your cell phone bill, it probably is not going down right now. You're probably spending an awful lot of time on your phone, but are you really using all of your data? The truth is you should be paying a fraction of what you are currently paying to your cell your cell phone provider. Instead, you should be switching to Pure Talk USA. You can cut costs and free up cash on a monthly basis, starting with your wireless provider. Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. The president and CEO of Pure Talk is a U.S. veteran who cares deeply about serving Americans by making wireless affordable. Start your saving today. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro 
for unlimited talk, unlimited text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. Plus, you'll get 50% off your first month, which is a great deal. That's probably, you know, one-fifth of what you are paying, one-tenth of what you are paying right now. Again, you're not using more than two gigs of data in all likelihood anyway. So you're just paying for all of that unlimited data that you're not actually using. Instead, Stop paying too much to big wireless providers and switch to Pure Talk today. Save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250. Say the keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk USA. Simply smarter wireless. Same quality coverage you're getting from all the other carriers and you're getting it a lot cheaper. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Ben Shapiro to join Pure Talk USA. Dial pound 250. Say keyword Ben Shapiro. Okay, so let us begin with the first religious, the first sort of religious cry from the left. That religious cry is that apparently a vaccine has been developed for COVID-19 and that vaccine is systemic anti-racism, right? Anti-wokeism is not a mind virus. Wokeism is the vaccine. The vaccine was in our hearts all along, guys. It was in our hearts all along. So all the people who were protesting and they were saying, I want to go back to my job because I've lost my livelihood and I want my kids to go back to school because they need to be in school. They're losing months off of their educational career here. All the people who said, I want to go back to church because the center of my life is the church. Those people were told, over and over and over again, they were killing grandmother. They're told over and over again, you cannot go back to these places because if you do, you will, you will be responsible for spreading the virus. You will kill hundreds of thousands of Americans if you do this thing. Over the weekend, literally millions of Americans were out in the streets, millions of them, crowding on top of each other, right out, shouting, screaming. As Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins University told me last Friday, there is, there, there, it is hard to think of a, a better vector for virus spread than the sorts of images that we saw over the weekend. You saw these huge shots of Philadelphia, streets and streets teeming with people. No masks. If they do have masks, they're removing them from time to time so they can shout slogans. Right up on top of each other, right next to each other. Now, people have said that churches are a great vector for virus transmission because you are in a small area with a lot of people singing or, ye or yelling or shouting or talking. Okay, the these protests are a great virus transmission vector. They are but not according to our health experts. Our health experts say it is more important that you protest than that you try to minimize the spread of COVID-19, which is amazing because for months, we destroyed 40 million jobs in this economy. 40 million jobs, which is tens of millions of lives destroyed, by the way. We destroyed those jobs and the attendant lives that are dependent on those jobs, including the lives of children. We destroyed all of those because we were so convinced that preventing the spread of COVID-19 was that important. Now, as long as you're shouting the right slogans, it's totally fine. Dr. Tom Fernand, who's the former CDC director under Barack Obama, he tweeted out, the threat to COVID control from protesting outside is tiny compared to the threat to COVID control created when governments act in ways that lose community trust. People can protest peacefully and work together to stop COVID. Violence harms public health. Okay, let's be straight about this. According to the latest Washington Post statistics, and they keep updating the numbers, there were a grand total of 15 black men shot who are unarmed last year. We've had over 110,000 deaths in the United States in the last three and a half months alone from COVID-19. So I'm going to go no on it's more of a systemic threat to public health, the police, broadly speaking, than the, than the protests were yesterday. In fact, I can say that with an extraordinary degree of certainty that that is not the case so long as you believe that COVID-19 is actually danger, dangerous, which I do. But apparently the CDC experts do not because I'm old enough to remember when Tom Ferdinand was on national TV suggesting that Ron DeSantis was going to kill everybody because Ron DeSantis wasn't shutting the beaches at Jacksonville, which, by the way, killed nobody. So it turns out that wokeism is the virus. It's the, it's the vaccine virus. It's amazing. We should give Colin Kaepernick the Nobel Peace Prize for apparently ending racism, because kneeling, as we will see, ends racism. And not only should we give him the Nobel Peace Prize, we should give him the Nobel Prize in biology, because it turns out that kneeling also stops COVID-19. It's incredible. What can't kneeling do? It's unbelievable. 
There were pictures of healthcare workers. You remember all those pictures from the anti-lockdown protests of healthcare workers standing outside, arms crossed, very stern, mask over face. You're ruining, you're ruining our lives. You're making our lives more difficult. Stay home to keep us safe. Healthcare workers were out there taking a knee in the middle of protests in New York City yesterday. Okay, so let's, either they were lying then or they are lying now. Either they were lying, there's no two ways about it. Either they were lying about the danger of the virus, in which case the lockdown was completely ridiculous and there was no reason for it. Or alternatively, they were rightly cautious about the virus and they are lying now when they suggest that it's perfectly safe to go outside or at least the risk of going outside and, and protesting en masse about racism is less than the risk of COVID-19. All this looks like is politically motivated trash. Not the, not the protests themselves. The idea that you can discard all concern about COVID-19 because you like the message of the protest. For, by the way, government actors have been saying this sort of stuff. It is First Amendment violative. Obviously, violative of the First Amendment. It is a content-based restriction. There were literally people saying, you cannot liken anti-lockdown protests to protests on behalf of George Floyd or against the police or any of the rest of this. That's not how protesting works under the First Amendment, guys. You can't do that. You can't say we're shutting down the protest because we don't like this message, but we do like this message, so therefore the threat doesn't exist any longer. This is insanity. And by the way, if you're suggesting that all these protests are deeply necessary and these protests are, are deeply important, I have some questions about dancing the Macarena with protesters. I just do. I just do. Okay, so we were told you can't be in a hospital with your grandmother as she dies because you might come out and spread COVID-19 to others. We were told you can't go to church and have a funeral service for grandma after she dies. But we can have National Guards people doing the Macarena in the streets with people who are protesting about police brutality. Deeply necessary, deeply important work by the National Guard right here with the protesters. Very, very important stuff. This is what we pay our tax dollars for. I'm, I'm very excited about all of this. Now, again, you want to show that you're anti-police brutality? It seems to me that everybody's anti-police brutality. It's funny. I spoke to a friend of mine who is a, a police officer at a met, a ma in a major city. And he was on the front lines yesterday. He's been on the front lines for 12 days straight, no breaks, doing 14-hour shifts, 12, 14-hour shifts. And his partner has been attacked with a brick, got a concussion. He has been attacked with a knife. He was not injured, thank God. He was at one of these protests, and he went up to a protest. One of the protesters came up to him, and he said to the protester, like, you understand that I think Derek Chauvin, the officer in the George Floyd situation, should be prosecuted. I'm a good cop. He was a bad cop. He should go to jail. And the protester was like, yeah, we understand that. He said, well, you understand that my colleagues all agree with me. And they agree with you that Derek, so what exactly are you protesting? And the guy said, well, you know, we just think the police are racist. Okay, so how much of this is absolute nonsense? A lot of it, a lot of it. And, and I got to say, I think that a lot of this is driven not by a desire to quote unquote end police brutality, which again, everybody agrees with, but by the fact that everybody's been pent up for three months in their homes. And now they're going to go out en masse and they're basically going to engage in a party. And when you see people dancing the Macarena in the street, that does not look like a Martin Luther King Jr. walk through Selma. That looks like people partying because it is people partying. When I see people rioting and looting, that does not look like an extension of justified rage. What that looks like is people partying, rioting and looting. And if you watch the tape, these are not people with frowns on their face and anger in their face. These are people excited that they just got to take a TV. It, to, to pretend otherwise is to just lie about the situation. So if you are angry at the system today, and by the way, if you think that America is about to be mugged by COVID reality, you're probably right because one of two things is going to happen. Either there will be a giant spike in COVID cases, in which case you were lied to by all the health experts who told you that it was okay to go out and protest. And then they will do this routine where they say, well, you know, 
The protests were necessary. So in the end, it wasn't us saying it's good to protest that spread the virus. It wasn't us saying that sort of stuff. It was racism. We saw this from the, the health commissioner of New York City, who five seconds ago was saying, if you go outside, you're going to kill grandma, saying, if a lot of people die from the protests because of COVID-19, that's because of racism. Ah, how convenient. Racism can be blamed for everything, including your own massive hypocrisy and stupidity. But again, this is all about the broader message, because the only way that you can really get to the conclusion that it's okay to go out en masse and protest in the middle of a pandemic. And by the way, this, this sort of stuff was tried back during World War I. People have talked about the, the Spanish flu. As Dr. McCary said on my show last week, during the Spanish flu, there were these giant liberty bond rallies. They were one of the chief vectors for transmission of the Spanish flu. So we've, we've done this before, gang, and it didn't go all that great. But the only way that you can make the argument that from a public health standpoint, it is important to protest in the middle of a pandemic is if you truly believe that the American system is corrupt through and through. And that's really what this argument has become about, whether the American system is corrupt through and through, from root to branch, from beginning to end. And that is why people are demanding that other people kneel for things they have not done. This is why people are demanding that people wash feet for things they have not done. And the very idea of kneeling to atone for a sin you did not commit is sinful. It is sinful. If you did not commit a sin and you are kneeling to atone for that sin, that is a paganistic ritual. One of the great discoveries of Judeo-Christian religion is the idea that you're not responsible for the sins of your parents. That in fact, you are an individual who's responsible to God and others for the things that you do. But the very idea that you're supposed to kneel on behalf of a system that you did not create and do not like, or alternatively, that the system is to blame for all inequality so you kneel on behalf of the system, what you're really doing is you're not kneeling to take in your own sin. What you're really doing is you are kneeling in order to indict others. You're really kneeling and virtue signaling in order to indict people who won't kneel and who don't believe the system is evil, in order to indict the founders, in order to indict people who won't kneel for the flag. That's really what a lot of this is about. And that's immoral. That's immoral. If you are kneeling, the kneeling symbol is incredibly vague. If you're kneeling because you are just attempting to symbolize the, the police brutality that took George Floyd's life, that is one thing. But it's become much more than that. It has been linked to the Colin Kaepernick kneeling. It's been linked to the idea that America is systemically racist. That is the message that is being promulgated. If you are kneeling to suggest that America is evil, then you are doing something sinful because America is not evil. If you're, if you're kneeling to indict your fellow citizen as evil for not believing that America is evil, that is also sinful. If you're kneeling to take upon yourself a sin that you did not commit, that is sinful because you're an individual and every individual ought to be answerable for his or her sins. They ought not be answerable for the sins of other people. Because once you start in with this idea that you're responsible for the sins of everybody else, that's how you get to the brutality of collective responsibility. And that gets very nasty very quickly, especially when you're not talking about the, the sort of implications of wartime in which you have no choice but to go after military targets and sometimes they're civilians there. You're talking about just in normal politics, blaming large groups of people for the actions of a few. And it's hard to think of anything worse than that. You take that to the racial level and it's racism. It is racism to say, okay, well, there are some people of this race who do a bad thing. Therefore, everybody of this race is sinful and indicted that way. You take it to any other level, it's just as sinful. We're going to get to more of this message in just one second because this is, this is the great battle. This is the great battle. And you, you will see it has some very practical ramifications because once you indict the entire system, you have to tear out the system root and branch. And it doesn't matter how many lives that costs, particularly in the minority community, which is what is about to happen. And what we're about to watch is going to be so ugly, it's going to make your head swim. We're going to get to that in just one second. From that dark message to something more upbeat, let's talk about something great that you can do for your dad this year. For Father's Day, get him Tommy John. Tommy John is the revolutionary underwear and clothing brand 
They know that Comfort is for everyone. Yep, even dad. So give him the softest, most breathable base layer he has ever worn. They're new and improved men's underwear. It's now twice as durable as his current pair, infinitely. More luxurious guaranteed. Tommy John underwear are spectacular. I know because they grace my tuchus this very moment. Tommy John is offering their best Father's Day deal ever. 25% off site-wide, including easy-to-gift sets that you can order straight from your phone directly to dad's door. Treat dad to a few pairs of Tommy John underwear in the softest, most breathable fabrics he's ever worn. All of Tommy John's layers are built for next-level comfort. Whether you're on the hunt for lounge pants or lazy-day joggers or the softest Zoom-ready tees and polos, you or your dad has ever worn, Tommy John has got you covered. I mean, these are all amazing, amazing products. This is the, it's the most comfortable stuff ever. And how do we know? Because they have a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guaranteed. Tommy John has the perfect gift for all the dads in your life. Deliver comfort directly to dad's store with 25% off site-wide at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. That is tommyjohn.com slash Ben, 25% off site-wide. See site for details. Tommy John, I mean, that's good stuff right there. Okay, so the broader message, the broader message here is that you can protest en masse in the middle of a pandemic. You can do whatever you have to do because the system itself is evil and the system itself is racist and all inequality can be laid at the feet of inequity. Now, when people talk about systemic racism, they always fail to define it. So there are a few ways you can define systemic racism. There are two ways that are obviously untrue and one way that is true. Okay, so the, the, the two ways that are obviously untrue. All inequality is inequity. So anytime you see inequality in American life, that's because something unfair and terrible has happened. That is not true. It's simply not true. Some people make bad decisions and some people don't make bad decisions. Some people grew up in a better home and some people grew up in a worse home. This has nothing to do with race. This is just true for every human being. Not all inequality is inequity. Sometimes people are born smart and sometimes people are born stupid. Sometimes people are born with more grit and sometimes people are born with more of a tendency toward, toward lassitude. Right? There, there are plenty of differences among human beings without regard to race. My, my siblings and I are not equivalent in every way. That does not mean some inequity happened in our household. It means that people are born different and people act differently and make individual choices differently. So if by systemic racism, you mean that you can cite a statistic that suggests that more black people are arrested on a percentage basis than white people, and that this means that the system is to blame, that some inequity has taken place, you're going to have to explain what the inequity is. What is the policy inequity that is happening right now? You can't just cite the disparity and say discrimination has taken place because that's not necessarily true. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. Systemic racism is ghost hunting in this context. It is the suggestion that even after you take into account all of the various other factors, the only factor, it's the God of gaps. The only factor we can't explain, it must be racism, it must be racism. So for example, there's this video that's been going around that, that people have been pushing around all about systemic racism. And it talks about redlining and the impact of redlining. And then it cites a bunch of studies. And the studies that it cites include a study from the 1992 Federal Reserve of Boston talking about redlining. And they talk about the fact that black people were unable to get home loans at the same rate as white people. It neglects to mention that that same study found that black-owned banks were actually lending at a lower rate to black-owned businesses than white-owned businesses. Maybe it doesn't have to do with racism. Maybe it has to do with credit record, for example, or level of, or level of wealth that can be taken as collateral. Right? There are other factors that might explain disparities. The, the immediate jump from inequality to inequity is not correct. All, in, all inequality is not inequity. So that, that, that idea of systemic racism is deeply damaging and, and incredibly counterproductive because it doesn't suggest good policy. It just suggests indicting people for things that you cannot evidence they've done. The second is that all current institutions are racist. And this you see from the 1619 Project. All institutions are infected with racism. Now they make a bit of a different argument, which we'll get to in a second. The argument that today's institutions in America are systemically racist is just pure nonsense. It's illegal. It's literally illegal. In fact, the institutions in America that do discriminate on the basis of race typically discriminate in favor of black Americans. 
Affirmative action discriminates on behalf of black Americans against Asian Americans, Jewish Americans, and white Americans. That's what it does. Okay, that, because there are only a certain number of sl- slots. That's a zero-sum game. If you say that certain people don't have to get the same scores as other people, that is obviously discriminatory against the people who now have to get the higher scores. There are, there are plenty of scholarships available across the country on a race-based preference suggestion. The, the notion that, that policy across the country is systemically racist is just not true. Today's institutions are not racist, and if you can cite a policy that is racist, let me know about it because I'm happy to oppose it with you. Okay, then there's the third argument about systemic racism, and this is that history has consequences. This is obviously true, that history has consequences. But to say that history has consequences does not mean that all consequences are due to history. Right, so people are now mixing up. This is what the 1619 Project does. They are mixing up the first two bad arguments about systemic racism with the third argument, which is obviously true. History has consequences. Because here's the thing, history has consequences for every group, but that does not define every group. That does not define the behavior of every group. History has consequences for Jews. It has consequences for Asians. It has consequences for Latinos. And by the way, so does mistreatment. Personal histories have consequences for people. But some of the question revolves around how you react to bad things happening to you in your life. When I was six, somebody called me a Christ killer. Did it ruin my life? It did not. A few years ago, back in 2016, I was the number one target of anti-Semitism online. Did it ruin my life? It did not. Do I think America is systemically racist? I do not. When my wife was a kid, she was walking down the street with her father in Sacramento. A guy drove by, threw a rock at her, and shouted, kill the Jews. Did it ruin her life? No, it didn't. So history has consequences, but so does human action. So to say that bad things happened in the past, and thus all inequality that is existent today is due to the bad things that happened in the past, is to make a leap. That's the leap that people want you to make. They want to say, because we can all acknowledge bad things happened in the past. And so the idea is that all bad things that happen today are outgrowths of bad things that happened in the past. That is true. But in that chain, that does not mean that that is the proximate cause. Okay, there are many, many intervening causes, including personal decision making. If, in fact, the wealth gap has grown between black and white families in the aftermath of the Civil Rights Act, you have to explain why. You have to explain why it is that as redlining waned, Redlining, by the way, was made illegal in 1975 under the Community Reinvestment Act. If, you, if after the Civil Rights Act, the gap between white and black got larger, if the middle class started growing slower after the Civil Rights Act, if, in fact, educational disparities became larger after the Civil Rights Act, if single motherhood went up after the Civil Rights Act, you have to explain why exactly it was racism that drove all of that. You can't just say history made it this way. You actually have to explain what you have to explain the chain of logic. And then you have to explain what you think the logical redress is. We'll get to the fact that nobody wants to explain the logical redress because the logical redress is bad policy. Right? Once you suggest that everything is broken down, you, the, the only solution is to tear down the system as a whole. And that's how you get to defund the police. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that these days you need sleep. Okay, I don't know about you, but the, between the news and between my kids, my amount of sleep has dropped significantly. I mean, radically. My kids are getting me up at all hours in the morning. I'm staying up late at night in order to prep for the show and in order to deal with the stress of the daily news cycle. Well, that means that when I lie down on that mattress, it had damned well better be comfortable. And it is. It is my Helix Sleep mattress because it was made just for me. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. 
They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you definitely will. I mean, I, I speak from personal experience. It is fantastic. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders right now for our listeners. Get up to 200 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, it's risk-free and you get 200 bucks off helixsleep.com slash Ben. It doesn't get better than that. Okay, so again, the message that is being pushed here and that we are all being told that we must accept is that America is systemically racist and the death of George Floyd is somehow tied into this. Now, again, we have yet to hear that, that Derek Chauvin is, was motivated by racism here. We actually don't know that. Right. Well, all we know is that that was an aspect of police brutality, but we don't know that this is about racism. But again, it is everything bad must be a racist thing and everything racist must be attributed to Americans more broadly, particularly white Americans. This is going to have some consequences when it comes to policy, because once you suggest the entire system is root and branch evil, it has to be torn out by the root. And when you tear out the system by the root, you don't get to keep all the benefits of the system while tearing out the system by the root. I know there are a lot of Americans, particularly a lot of white liberals, who tend to believe that the natural state of things is an orderly society in which people treat each other well and rioting and looting are not common and in which crime is down. This is because you don't remember the 1960s. I don't either, but I can promise you there are a lot of people who still do. In the 1960s, particularly the late 1960s, crime rates skyrocketed because of a deliberate attempt to reduce policing, because of a deliberate attempt to treat crime as a manifestation of outrage at the system. You do that, there are going to be some pretty significant consequences. Okay, so ABC's Rachel Scott said yesterday that George Floyd's death was about centuries of systematic racism and racial inequality. Again, she's going to have to explain why it is not just about an officer who committed an act of police brutality that nearly every other officer believes was an act of evil, and all Americans do. Here, here was uh, Rachel Scott yesterday making the broad-based argument. The killing of George Floyd was really just the boiling point. This is about centuries of systemic racism and racial inequality that has existed in this country. And I think what we are seeing right now is generational exhaustion and generational uprising. These are young voices that are out there from all different backgrounds demanding for change. And as we see thousands of protesters out there, it's important to note that every single one of them has a story. Either they have experienced racism themselves, some black Americans asking themselves, Am I next? Okay, if you're asking yourself, are you next? The answer is no. The answer is, by all available evidence, no. That you are not next to be the next George Floyd. Because again, we can name all the people this has happened to. Okay, I can't name all the victims in Chicago over the weekend. There are over 20 of them. But I can certainly name the, the people in the last several years who have died at the hands of police brutality. This notion that, again, all bad things can be laid at the feet of the system. This is about an argument that system ought to be torn down. Val Demings who's being widely considered a possible VP for Joe Biden. Again, she, she made the same point. We've been fighting institutional racism for 400 years, does not define institutional racism, does not explain which policies ought to be changed. Instead, the idea is that America has not changed since 1619, which is an insane contention, is an insane contention. She's a sitting congresswoman from Florida. How many black sitting congresspeople from Florida were there in 1619? Okay, the, like what, what are you talking about to pretend that, to, to say things like, We've been fighting institutional racism for 400 years as though there's been little or no progress or as though we are even remotely anywhere close to what we even were in the 1960s is patently insane. But again, if the argument is that you hate the system and you want to tear it out, then you have to make the argument that either the current system is fruit of the poisonous tree, which is the 1619 Project argument from the New York Times, or you have to make the argument that the system itself has generated inequality because it is today institutionally racist. Here's Val Demings. Again, Joe Biden might pick her for VP making this argument. Look, if we're going to solve some of America's toughest problems, we've got to uh, be 
painfully honest about what those problems are. And we know that we have been fighting systemic racism in this country for 400 years. We know that it has found its reared its ugly heads in law enforcement agencies, in housing, in education, and in too many other places. So it's everything. It's all the things. It's all the things. So a couple of things that are just reality. You cannot fight history because history is over. You don't have a time machine. You can't do it. If your suggestion is that you can vitiate the problems of history by engaging in, in modern day injustice, modern day injustice is not going to vitiate the problem. It is simply going to exacerbate other problems. Pursuing policies that victimize some at the behest of others is not good policy. That was the problem with the history. So to try and, and reverse the history by suggesting discrimination in a different form is not going to solve the problem. I'll tell you what else is not going to solve the problem. Teaching millions of Americans that no matter how hard they try, the system is coming down on top of them. There are no, Amer again, you can't name the Americans who are in favor of what Derek Chauvin did. They don't exist. If they do, you're talking about like seven guys. Truly. If the notion is that there's a, a, a cadre of people who are just trying to keep black people down, who are these people so we can fight them? It's a conspiracy theory. When you go around suggesting that no matter how you try, I mean, honestly, I cannot, I, I can't, I mean, I never do this, but as a Jew, okay, Jewish history has been replete with some pretty significant repression. I'm talking about like forcing people into, not, not just ghettos in the American sense of bad places to live where you can't afford to live out of them. I mean, forced ghettos where Jews were forced to live and they shut them down at nightfall and you could not exit on pain of imprisonment or death. I'm talking about the banning of Jews from social institutions here in the United States. I'm talking about the fact that Jews were banned from certain areas of higher education for decades in the United States. Okay, I, that's in the United States. It's not even abroad. Abroad, it's way worse, obviously. I'm not even mentioning the, the treatment of my extended family in the Holocaust or anybody else's. And for generations, Jews recognized that life was a terrible thing and that if you worked hard, you, you, you were still expected to do the things you were supposed to do. Okay, but in America, in a free country, Jews have risen extraordinarily quickly. Why? Because there was no boot on their neck. Overall, despite all of those things that I've mentioned, there is no boot on their neck. And there is nothing more damaging that you can tell a child than no matter how hard you work, you are going to be put down. No matter how hard you work, there is a, there is a glass ceiling. There are people who are trying to keep you down. In America, a free country, nobody is thinking enough about you to try and keep you down. No one cares about you. And I don't mean that in the people want to watch you suffer sense. I mean that nobody is sitting around thinking, how do I keep a black person down today? How do I create a policy that prevents black people from doing X, Y, or Z? In fact, everybody, as far as I'm aware, has been thinking, how do I create policy that gives more opportunities to people who, are, who, who have grown up in poor communities with bad educational systems? Like, it's such a damaging message. It's such a damaging message. If you want to damage an entire generation of people, tell them that they are inherently victims in the freest society in the history of the world. And this is what you get from Al Sharpton, who's made a bunch of money. That is a dude who has gotten rich off of this myth. And Al Sharpton has gotten rich off of lying to people that America is systemically racist and evil top to bottom. He just goes to corporations and then blackmails them by suggesting he will call them racist unless they give him a, a donation. Here he was at George Floyd's memorial suggesting that no matter how hard we try, there is a knee on our necks. That was true in legal terms during Jim Crow. It was obviously true during slavery. It is not true today. It has not been true for at least a couple of decades. And I mean several decades. Okay, America is the story. 
of black people fighting for their freedom and white people fighting alongside them to fulfill constitutional and declaration of independence ideals. That's the story of America. And if you're telling a young black person in America today that the system is out to get you, you are lying. You are lying. The system is not out to get young black Americans. The system is trying to promote everybody, including young black Americans. And if, if you are a young black American who's listening to the show today and you're thinking to yourself, how do I get ahead? The answer is you make good decisions because people are not standing in your way. People want to help you. People want to help people to, to malign Americans as part of the same system that enslaved people is disgusting. It is. But Al Sharpton's a disgusting human being. So that's all right. Here he was yesterday over the weekend. hundred and one years ago, the reason we could never be who we wanted and dreamed to be in is you kept your knee on our neck. We were smarter than the underfunded schools you put us in, but you had your knee on our neck. We could run corporations and not hustle in the street, but you had your knee on our neck. And then he says, get your knee off our neck today. Okay, again, to equate Jim Crow America with today is patently insane. But again, if you are Al Sharpton and you are trying to equate all inequality with inequity, then this is what you have to do. Or you blame the system more broadly. And it's not just Al Sharpton, who's an open race baiter and an awful human being. It's Michelle Obama who really should know better. This is a woman who went to Harvard Law School. This is the fir former first lady of the United States. She's had a pretty damned good life in the United States. But here she was giving a speech to graduates over the weekend, suggesting that for many black Americans, no matter how hard you work, structural racism is stopping you. Please name the policy that is stopping you no matter how hard you work. Please tell me the policy so we can fight it together. But nobody ever suggests policy. Nobody ever wants to talk about policy. Why? Because that would mean you'd have to get specific. And then we might all have a solution. But if there's a solution, then inequality might actually decline. And if inequality declined, then it might be that Americans aren't racist. Again, if you start from the premise that all inequality means racism, and it is, it is necessary for your political point of view that the system be racist, then inequality must be preserved. Any attempt to mitigate policy such that inequality is not preserved means maybe the system isn't so bad. And that runs counter to the entire left-wing argument. Here's Michelle Obama, one of the most successful black women in American history, suggesting that no matter how hard you work, structural racism is stopping you for many black Americans. And again, I want to know who these people are so we can offer them scholarships and so we can make sure they get into the schools that they need to get to. Who are, who, what are the structures? What are the structures? This is, again, suggesting that because history has consequences, everything today is bad or inequality is equal to, to inequity, and it's a lie. And Michelle Obama knows better than anybody it's a lie. When it comes to all those tidy stories of hard work and self-determination that we like to tell ourselves about America, well, the reality is a lot more complicated than that. Because for too many people in this country, no matter how hard they work, there are structural barriers working against them that just make the road longer and rockier. And sometimes it's almost impossible to move upward at all. At no point does she suggest what these structural barriers are or how we remove them. The idea is no matter how hard you work, you're screwed. You think that might breed a little bit of resentment and rage at the system? And by the way, justify tearing down all of the institutions of the society? As we will see, that is the actual agenda. It's, and, and to watch people buy into this wholesale in an attempt to appease folks is really quite astonishing. It's quite astonishing and quite immoral. We'll get to that in just one second because it really is incredible stuff. First, let us talk about the fact that Father's Day is coming up. 
And that means it's time to get your dad the gift he has been craving. I'm talking, of course, about steak. OmahaSteaks.com. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. They have a limited time Father's Day offer. Enter code Shapiro into the search bar. Save 55% on the gift dad will love. Okay, I know that I love it because they actually sent me some kosher steaks and they are astonishingly good. I mean, they age these things. They are just delicious and juicy. Oh my God. For $79.99, here's what your gift will include when you go to OmahaSteaks.com and enter code Shapiro into the search bar. Four, naturally lean top sirloin steaks, hand-carved, aged at least 21 days for tenderness and flavor. Four, premium boneless chicken breasts. Four, gourmet jumbo franks and kielbasa sausages. A package of savory all-beef meatballs. Four, perfectly brown potatoes au gratin. Four, made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets. And an Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet. Dad will get all of this delicious food, plus the free pound of steak-cut bacon. That amazing gift ready to be shipped straight to Dad's door in time for Father's Day for $79.99. Doesn't get better than that. Dad is going to be happy when he opens that box, let me tell you. This Father's Day, send Dad the gift he really wants, the steak. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in the search bar, save 55% off when you send the Summer Sizzle Pack for $79.99 and get free steak-cut bacon with your order. That's the stuff that makes me wish I didn't keep kosher. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in the search bar to order the Summer Sizzle Pack for Father's Day. Today, omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in that search bar for the special Father's Day deal. Okay, we're going to get to the culmination of this message that America is systemically racist. People buying into this because there is this bizarre notion in, in many American communities that if you acquiesce to the message, that somehow all of this will go away and be better. This is the first step toward the destruction of the institutions. Understand that's what this is. It is one thing to hug protesters because you all believe the police brutality is bad. It is another thing to kneel before protesters because you're acknowledging that America is systemically racist. That is not the same thing. One of those things is quite good. One of those things is quite bad. We'll get to that in just one second. First, 2020 has been an unbelievably insane year. How insane? Trump was impeached this year. Okay, that's how insane this is. Okay, the last year, has the last six months have taken 93 years, 93. And we are not even close to the election. We are in June, guys. There's still five months to the election. The leftist media isn't helping things one bit. You need good coverage of these issues because the, the media are lying to you. We're going to get to the media in just a little while on the show. The media are lying to you systematically, systematically. It's, it's unbelievable. When you can't get the real story, you have to go outside the media narrative and get the facts. If you're a political junkie set on getting both sides of the story, get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. You'll get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your podcast hosts, as well as guest writers, in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. This membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month. But if you join today, you get your first month for 99 cents, which is a great, great deal. You also get access to our mobile app. You receive push notifications for breaking news and special content. And you can join the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting on and discussing our content, content with each other. That is mobile, ad-free access to all Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, and more on our mobile app, all for the low price of $1. Best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the left to spin. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. Also, I would urge you, go check out a copy, pre-order a copy of my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. It is the most relevant book in, in history, maybe. It, truly. The entire book is about how the, uh, there's a quest by a large group of Americans, I call them disintegrationists, who want to destroy our common philosophy, history, and culture. We are watching it in real time, happening right now. The book is not just an indictment of that. It's an exploration of that philosophy, and it's a rebuttal of that worldview, a full rebuttal of that worldview. Why the disintegrationists are wrong about American history, which is a story of triumph over tragedy. Why they are wrong about American culture, which is the story of rights over, over demands. And why the American story is a history of philosophy of the Declaration of Independence, equal rights under law, inalienable rights, pre-existing government, and why the left lies about all of this stuff. The book is really important. I mean, I, I truly feel like I wake up every morning wishing the book was already out. 
It's coming out July 21st. You can go pre-order right now over at amazon.com or anywhere books are sold. It's called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Go check it out. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so the nasty, divisive, and cruel narrative that America is systemically racist and evil has now been taken, swallowed whole by a huge number of people across the country. Mainly, I think a lot of these people want to do a couple things. One, virtue signal. They want to show that they care. And the way to show you care is by just agreeing, right? This is, this is how people are acting. Is if I put a black box on my Twitter page or on my Instagram page, I've shown that I'm a virtuous person. Really? What did you just sign on to? So yeah, have you even thought about it? Or is it just more to express sympathy? Now, I think most people are good-hearted and they want to express sympathy for people who feel outraged at police brutalities and instances of racism. I'm all for that. But that's the, the people who are promulgating the message at the highest intellectual level, it is not just that they condemn police brutality and racism. It is that they are indicting you and the entire system and they want you to repent for sins you have not committed. And so you see what I think are hideous images like this, police officers washing the feet of black community leaders in North Carolina. What do these police officers do? Are these police officers racist? Is there evidence that they've done something cruelly racist? Why are they washing people's feet? Are they, are they penitent sinners? Like, wh- and why is this being done on the basis of race? Did they victimize these particular people? To atone for a sin you did not commit is itself sinful. You cannot atone for sins that other people committed without taking on responsibility. And that, of course, is the end goal here. Because if you believe that you're buying off the wokest on the left by engaging in the kneeling and the feet washing and the ritual humiliation, if you believe that you are buying them off and suddenly they are going to be like, oh, well, you know, this person showed their sympathy. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt next time there's a racist incident. Think again. The next time something bad happens in that community, which is, uh, I believe, Cary, North Carolina, the next time something bad happens in that community, the protesters will be right at that front door asking for the police chief's head. That is the first thing that will happen. Okay, Democrats were kneeling in the, in the Congress today. I mean, they, they were all wearing, it looks like some sort of scarf, I, I assume to, to symbol to African-Americans, because I think there's a cultural scarf. I, I, I don't know. But here they are all kneeling for America, kneeling, kneeling for America's history. Truly incredible stuff. And, and truly ridiculous stuff, because if the idea is that you have to kneel to the notion that America is systemically evil, that Colin Kaepernick was right after all, that the American flag represents racism and bigotry, it doesn't represent freedom and liberty, then what the hell are you doing in the United States Congress? Why do you believe the institutions that you serve are good? Shouldn't you want to tear down all those institutions? And the demands will never end. If you think the demands end with just a little bit of virtue signaling online, that you've bought your way out, Amazon, by putting a Black Lives Matter thing on your, on your page, now everybody's going to be happy with you? Think again. The New York Times put out an op-ed over the weekend that literally says that you should text your relatives and loved ones. This is a direct quote. Telling them you will not be visiting them or answering phone calls until they take significant action in supporting black lives, either through protest or financial contributions. So you're going to tell mom and dad, I'm not visiting unless you sign a check to my preferred organization. How delightful. Perhaps we can have reporting squads. That'd be good. Perhaps we can have you know, people who report their parents if they, to, to, to the social media squad. In order, to, in order to shame them. That, I think that'd be great. NBC, MSNBC's Ali Velshi, he says, you might, you might think you're not racist and you might be right. You might not be racist, but that's not good enough right now. I have a question. Why is that not good enough? Why is it not good enough to just oppose racism and think racism is bad? Why is it that I have to mouth whatever platitudes you decide to put out there today, including a platitude that is not a platitude at all, but an extraordinarily nasty proposition that Americans are deeply racist, that they are systemically biased, that the American system is racist through and through, 
no, it, it seems to me that you know what basic human decency requires of you? To be basically human and decent. That's it. It doesn't require you to mouth the crap that Ali Velshi wants you to mouth. Here's Ali Velshi on MSNBC. Well, if you think you're not racist, you could be right. But in this day and age, that's simply not good enough. Up next, why it's time to check our bias at the door and lean into the discomfort that is necessary for real change. What, what, what discomfort are you talking about? Seriously, what discomfort? If you want to cite something that I have done wrong, I'm happy to talk to you about it. If you want to talk about indicting a broad American system or suggesting that I'm keeping my knee on the neck of, of black America, as Al Sharpton has suggested, then F off, because I'm not. And neither are you, I would assume. This is insanity. It's insanity. And it has consequences because once you suggest the American system is completely disgusting top to bottom, then all the institutions of America become simply symbols of the deep-seated American racism that is. They become symbols of this deeply corrupt system. It's not enough for Mike Pence to simply say we stand with George Floyd's family, which is something he said. He has to say that America is corrupt through and through. It's not good enough for Pence to say what everybody agrees with. The police brutality is bad, and we don't want to see any instances of it. Pence is still a bad man. Here was Pence over the weekend. The death of George Floyd was a tragedy, and uh, President Trump's made it clear. Justice will be served. We know now charges have been brought against all four police officers, and the president immediately deployed Justice Department officials to examine the possibility of federal charges to be brought as well. But what happened on that street in Minneapolis shocked the conscience of the nation. And uh, uh, we stand with every American who was taken aback by that act. And uh, we, we, we will stand for justice uh, every day. Not good enough. Not good enough. Right. But Mike Pence is a racist because not good enough, according to Ali Velshi. Not, not enough to oppose brutal killings. Not enough. Instead, you have to suggest that actually everything is great. And this is the new tick, the new tack. It's amazing. It's amazing. So there are those of us who are like, okay, well, now that you're suggesting that the entire American institutional infrastructure is bad, tearing it down might have some really bad consequences. In fact, if I wanted to point to tearing down American institutions having bad consequences, I might point to the fact that there were a bunch of people out there who were justifying rioting and looting, right, over the past week. And then we shut down nearly every major American city for a week so people could riot and loot to their heart's content. And then it really sucked. It was quite terrible. I might point that out. So instead, what we get are ridiculous people in the media and in our politics suggesting that this never happened. It's a figment of your imagination. If you're worried about America being mugged by reality, because here's the here is the reality. The reality is America is not systemically racist. America is free. America is good. America has a law enforcement body that overwhelmingly is ensuring that you can live a free and prosperous life. Once you tear away that stuff, you're going to be mugged by reality. So instead, what we're going to get is people basically declaring that they're just not going to accept that reality exists. Reality just doesn't exist. Okay, here is a little bit of video from what Minneapolis looked like in the aftermath of the rioting and looting. It's a war zone. Things are on fire. The buildings have been completely burned out. Okay, that's what it looks like. I drove around Los Angeles, like nice areas of Los Angeles. All the windows were boarded up over the weekend. But good news, CBC, Congressional Black Caucus Chair Karen Bass says protesting has been peaceful every single day across the country. It's been peaceful every single day. Okay, now let me just put it this way. If the anti-lockdown protests had burned a building, it would have been violent protests across the country, right? That would have been the headline. But when rioting and looting shuts down every major American city for a week, then all we get is that everything is peaceful. Now, again, I don't think the protesters are the rioters and looters, but I also think it's absurd to ignore the rioting and the looting. That's absurd, but that's what Karen Bass is doing. 
But I think we're in a real moment in our country, the passion that the people are displaying. I'm so glad now that the protesting is peaceful. It's been every day. It's been across the country. I think that it is going to lay the basis for the momentum for us to bring about the change that we need to do. And not only that, if you're a white liberal, right, you have to understand that if you oppose crime, if you want to preserve any institutions of American society, that's coming from a place of privilege. So over the weekend, the Minneapolis City Council vowed to defund the police to defund it, to get rid of it. They want to call it a police-free police, a police city. So not even what Camden, New Jersey did, where they, they kind of lied about it. They said, we're going to abolish the police. And then they brought in the stateies and actually doubled the number of officers on the street. And they just got rid of the police union and they ended around it. They basically created a charter school police force. Right? That's all they did. In, in Minneapolis, they're talking about absolutely just getting rid of the police entirely. Okay, so there's a woman named Bender, appropriately named, because she's on a Bender here, who, who, is, who is on CNN from the Minneapolis City Council. And she was asked a very obvious question by Allison Camerata. Well, what happens when somebody commits a crime? What are you going to do with the police? Now, remember, you abolish the police because the police are systemically racist, because America is systemically racist. So the answer here follows. Once you say that America is systemically racist, and that the police are systemically racist, and that the police doing their job is just an extension of the evil past of policing in the United States, you come to the point where crime is good. Okay, and this is exactly what a Minneapolis city council member said on, on Allison Camerata Day. This, this, this says it all. If the, America's about to be mugged by reality so hard, it's going to make our head swim. Listen, this clip is just mind-boggling. What if, in the middle of the night, my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I, I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege because for those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. If you're worried about a crime being committed against you, it's coming from a place of privilege. Now, let's just be real about this. The vast majority of crime victims in minority neighborhoods are members of minority communities. They're the ones calling the cops. You actually need more policing in these areas. High crime communities require more police, not fewer police. And in fact, if you want to explain a disparity, here's a way to explain a disparity through discrimination. One of the reasons you have high crime that, that ravaged black communities since the turn of the 20th century, I mean, murder rates that are a multiple of the white murder rates, is because white communities deliberately decided to withdraw police from those areas and said, you're on your own. You want to know why gang warfare became a prominent feature of urban life, inner city life, because the police were not there. But here she is saying, check your privilege if you're worried about crime. That's Lisa Bender, the president of Minneapolis City Council. This is, that's what you get. You're going to be mugged by reality. You tear down the institutions of American life. You can't expect to keep all the good stuff. But that is exactly what people are expecting. Okay, so this is the new campaign. The new campaign is defund the police. So over the weekend, the Washington, D.C. mayor decided that she'd be making a real statement by painting on the street Black Lives Matter in giant yellow letters all across the street. Wow, racism solved, lady. You really did it. You've done it. Now all the, all the black victims of crime in Washington, D.C., of whom there are a disproportionate number, it's all, it's all solved, guys. The police were the problem. All along, all along, the police were the problem. Who could have known? Who could have known? So she painted Black Lives Matter across the, the street. And again, the only reason that I object to the Black Lives Matter sloganeering is not because I don't believe Black Lives Matter. It's because I do believe Black Lives Matter. Just as I would object to somebody, some mayor painting across the, uh, across the street, science is real. Yes, I agree science is real. The implication of you painting something like that is that you believe that everyone who disagrees with you doesn't think science is real, right? The, the whole idea of the Black Lives Matter slogan 
is that they don't want it to be unifying. Many of the leaders of the movement look at their agenda. It is not a unifying agenda. It is abolishing the police. It is free Palestine. It is abolish income inequality through massive redistribution programs and property seizures. All of this is on the BLM website. Okay, the, the idea of, of Black Lives Matter is that there is a vast swath of Americans who disagree with you because they don't believe Black Lives Matter. And that I find insulting. Okay, so anyway, she painted Black Lives Matter on the street, Mayor Bowser in, in Washington, D.C. So BLM just did the natural thing. They said, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? They took the natural next step and they painted equals defund the police. They painted this on the street in Washington, D.C. Well, now the agenda is clear and it follows. Once America is deeply and systemically racist and evil, then obviously you should defund the police. That's they, they, I swear they painted it on the street in Washington, D.C. Defund the police. Genius. Okay, that's not the worst of it. Over in Minneapolis, where they burned down a police precinct and had a week of rioting and looting. And people were hurt and businesses were ravaged and the city was basically set on fire. The mayor of Minneapolis, who started this whole thing off by suggesting that white privilege was responsible for the death of George, George Floyd, that was a racist killing, who's gone on TV and said he's going to check his own white privilege and all of this. You want, you want the proof that the kneeling is, will get you nowhere? <laughs> this, is, this is proof positive. So the mayor of Minneapolis he went out there with a Black Lives Matter crowd and he begged forgiveness, right? He, he suggested that he was checking his own privilege. And then they asked him, are you willing to abolish the police? And he said, no. And they told him to get the F out and started chanting at him, shame, shame, shame. Okay, so the premise, the conclusion follows the premise. Once you suggest that all the institutions are racist, this guy's a member of the institution, Jacob Frey. Okay, here, here, is the, here is the clip. It's, it's pretty incredible. No matter how low he bends the knee, that knee will never be bent low enough for, for people who decide that America is systemically evil. Jacob Fry, we have a yes or no question for you. Yes or no, will you commit to defunding Minneapolis Police Department? What did I say? We don't want no more police. Is that clear? He's getting booed. Get the F out of here. I mean, it's pretty obvious with the agenda. They're saying the agenda. We don't want no more police. Okay, let's just be clear about this. If the police withdraw from minority communities, the people who are going to pay the most for that are minority communities. A lot of black people will die if the, if the police are withdrawn from minority communities. And don't give me again, Camden, New Jersey. Again, they didn't get rid of the police. They doubled the number of police on the streets. They just called them county police as opposed to city police. That is not what they're talking about in Minneapolis. They literally put out a proposal talking about how they wanted Streets free of police. You know what that means? It means criminals have reign. Uh, the, the leftist attempt to reach utopia through the following chain of events. We'll see if it works, man. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it pays off for them. Here's the strategy. You should have a gun. Only law enforcement should have a gun. Sanctuary cities. Illegal immigrants should, should be able to come in your city with no sort of, of consequence, and you can't report it to the federal government. Homelessness should be able to run roughshod across your cities. We shouldn't be able to do anything about that. Also, abolish the police. How do you think that's going to go? Seriously, how do you think that's going to go? I mean, the, the, the reality in America's major cities is going to be, they're going to be a trash heap. They're going to be a trash heap. And you're seeing it. This is not just in Minneapolis. Right? First of all, you have Ilhan Omar, who, whatever she says, do the opposite, and you'll have a, success, a successful life. Ilhan Omar, the representative from Minnesota, she was out there saying she wants to defund the police, which again, the people who are most harmed by this are the people who are most victimized by crime. The people who need the police most will be the people who are harmed the most when the police go away. 
And also very convenient for a lot of the people who are shouting defund the police in the media, particularly because they all have private security. It's pretty easy to be well. You want to talk about white privilege, white privilege or privilege more generally is saying get rid of the publicly funded police because I'm rich enough that I already have my own private security firm. Ilhan Omar has protection from congressional police. Here's Ilhan Omar. Never stop saying not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. The Minneapolis Police Department is rotten to the root. And so when we dismantle it, we get rid of that cancer and we allow for something beautiful to rise. And that reimagining allows us to figure out what public safety looks like for us. The something beautiful that's going to be rising is going to be the number of arsons and robberies and murders. That's what's going to be the beautiful thing that rises. When you get rid of the police, guess what? You, what's amazing is that we're doing this within days of Minneapolis being burned. We're doing defund the police within days of Minneapolis being burned and complete public disorder. And people are defund the police is the message you took away from this? Were you dropped on your head as a child? But again, all of this makes sense if you believe that the police are just the enforcement arm of an evil system. That's the real message here. Bill de Blasio is doing the same thing in New York. He wants to defund the cops in New York City, where, by the way, 300 police officers were injured in the George Floyd protests. Protests, rioting and looting is more like it. You don't get to call yourself a protester if you injure a cop. Here is Bill de Blasio talking about defunding the cops in New York. When I turned to our task force and said, what should we do? And we talked over these last few days. We had a series of meetings. The task force said it was important to address on a budget level the need to focus more on our young people. The need to make a clear statement that our investments in our young people are our future. Policing matters for sure, but the investments in our youth are foundational. Amazing. So he's going to cut the funding from the, from the NYPD in the aftermath of this. In LA, they're doing the same thing. Mayor Eric Garcetti, our garbage mayor here in Los Angeles, he has suggested that he wants to defund the police in Los Angeles, right? He wants to cut $150 million from the police budget. It's already an understaffed police. Again, I have friends in the LAPD. They are wildly understaffed. So this was the natural consequence. A city councilman named Monica Rodriguez showed up to, to lecture the LAPD. And the LAPD officers, they were having none of it. They're like, we're here and we haven't done, like, if you have an instance of racism, then bring it to our police union, prosecute us. But you got nothing here. And here you are saying that we should, we're the only thing stopping the looters and the rioters. We're the only thing standing between Melrose Avenue being burned to the ground and Rodeo Drive being destroyed and, and people who want to do that. And here you are trying to cut our funding. Here's the LAPD just slamming the city councilwoman. Because of the Black Lives Matter on the, on the front line, throwing the black box and rattles, box and uh, bottles at these officers, cracking their skulls, it's because of them, because of their constant pandering at the police commission. It's a hundred of them. But you guys are listening to them. What about the law-abiding citizens that are law-abiding, they don't break the law. All they want is these officers to protect them. And this is what they do every day. And now you're cutting from these, from their families? When they put everything on the line, we're gonna fight. Okay? Take care of it at the ballot box. Okay. That's a black police representative, by the way, who's going after the city councilwoman. But don't worry, AOC is here to fix all of it. AOC also agrees we should defund the police. And once AOC says it, the font of all wisdom, here is AOC saying defund the police. Again, she's never going to have to pay for the consequences of this. She's living in her Cush congressional apartment in a nice area of Washington, D.C. Here she is pushing defund the police. 
the same budgetary injustices. Now, Martin Luther King, he said, budgets are moral documents. They show what our priorities and commitments are as a nation and as a society. And the same problems that we are seeing, the same problems that we are seeing on a city council level and on a city level, which are you have an entire city budget and half of that budget goes to policing and a shred to education, a shred to mental health services, a crumb for hospitals. That is mirrored on the federal level. Okay, that's not, it's not even close to Toronto. What she's saying is not even close to Toronto factual level. The, the huge percentage budgets in the cities are not going to police. I mean, it's just, that, that's a, it's an astonishing lie. But beyond that, again, the defund the police movement in the aftermath of widespread rioting and looting, you can only justify that if you think the rioting and the looting and the crime are okay. And that any attempt to tamp those things down is an attempt to shore up the institutions of white privilege. I do not believe that America's institutions are fundamentally racist. That does not mean that America's history has not been filled with endemic racism. It does mean that today the institutions are not racist. I do not believe that America's philosophy, culture, history are the story of racism. And I am not, I'm never going to kneel to the idea that America will be healed or unified by trashing the American system entirely in favor of defund the police. By the way, where's Joe Biden on this? How does Joe, Joe Biden feel about defunding the police? Love to hear that answer. All right, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. We didn't even get to the New York Times, which fired its op-ed editor for displeasing its woke staffers. We'll get to that a little bit later with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, The Matt Walsh Show... It's not just another show about about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Hey, we'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 